Hello, Clive here. I'm editing the pod in the kitchen and I can't be asked to get my mic out, so that's why it sounds echoey. Um, yeah, just wanted to say my mic goes very robotic on a few occasions in this pod, um, leading to hopefully hilarious and not annoying results, but probably the latter. Um, so yeah, just wanted to apologise about that. Other than that, enjoy the pod. Toodles. your head out of the clouds get your feet back on the ground get stuck into pop culture with stick around hello there and welcome to stick around the podcast brought to you from the oats house we've got quaker oats all down us Brought to you by Squiggles, Square Bagels. Don't be oppressed by the tyranny of roundness. Try Squiggles, because it's hip to be square. Oh. <laughs> Do you reckon he- Huey Lewis needed to be paid quite a lot of money for that? Uh, yeah, probably. Well, what else What else is he going off, really? I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's a... Although has he has he been has he been sub is it, has he been subject to a critical reevaluation? I feel like he might have been. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, almost I certainly really... just inspired by American Psycho. Yeah, I, I what would... was the critical reevaluation. Um, what was the outcome of it? I don't know. I feel like he might be cool again. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> like new metal, it feels like that's starting to become cool again. Is it? Is it? I don't really... think it was. Well, th- well, actually, I say again, it wasn't cool in the first place, was it? Even though it was no. popular. No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that is happening, yeah. I feel like it's gathering steam. Does everything okay. go under a critical reevaluation at some stage? Definitely, yeah. Everything does at some point. It feels in I mean the- probably only like big things that are quite well known. Yeah. And enough it, to go through. It but feel, yeah. It feels like it's very much a music thing as well. I don't feel it happens as much in movies sometimes in movies, but I think it happens in Music more than any other art form. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah, it's in- interesting that um, I don't know about other art forms, but in my challenge, I've noticed a lot of these albums have um, started off being not all that well received, and have, with in time, become kind of classics. Mm, I, think so, I don't yeah. know if that's a similar thing to films. It, or that not. does happen with films, though, to be fair, doesn't it? So, mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Anyway, uh, right. Well, we're here for. Uh, Stick around, obviously. Episode 159. So nearly on 160, which is exciting. Um, I am here with expert Michael Johnson. Hello. And expert Alex Wayne. Hello there. I won't say what your expert's in. I'll leave that for the audience to decide, because I like to keep them thinking. Um, And, sorry, go on, Michael. I was just going to say, starting off the podcast with um, taglines and sponsors coming from obs- very obscure references to stand-up comedians, so you can't say we don't give the people what they want, can you? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, you could like never say that about this podcast. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's my Right in if that was you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, introdu- I interrupted Clive introducing himself there, I realise. Uh, no, no, I wasn't going to no, introduce no myself at all. No of course. Yeah. No, exactly. Pointless. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say... 
Um, hey, it's good to have you back. It's been a, we've had a few weeks off, I think. And uh, our main discussion this week is going to be about um, Tenet, which came out. We've all um, risked ourselves, risked the old big, the big C bomb to go to the cinema and um, watch it twice in my case. Wow! I mean, Michael is. I hope you're quarantining for three weeks. <laughs> of course. After that <laughs> ridiculous adventure. <laughs> um, but before that. Well, in fact, has anyone anyone done anything massively exciting in the last three weeks that they want to put in at this point? Um, define massively <laughs> exciting. Went, went to the pub I mean, yesterday. I feel like that counts now. Yeah, same. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's exciting enough, I suppose. Um, I went to... I saw Josh Keithley and James Cable last night, which is nice. Oh, that's, that's massively exciting. As well. Did you get a live queef? Um, I didn't, actually. I should have got a live queef. We played Goldeneye a lot. Um, turned wow. out me and Cable were far better than Paul and uh, Josh um, which surprised me considering the amount of time but uh, Paul made, um, Josh made the mistake of using the aim thing a lot, you don't use the aim, auto aim mate um, what else did we do, oh we watched Commando which is still in my opinion the best Arnold Schwarzenegger film if we're going on pure Arnold Schwarzeneggerness. I, b- I believe Josh tweeted that um, I mean it's there are better, like obviously Terminator Two is a much better film, critically speaking. However, Commando is just full of that sort of. It's just got it's got way more lines. It's just like it's kind of if I think if Arnold like wrote and directed a film, that's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's something great about that. Um, so yeah, that was that was good fun, and, and that was about it. Then I walked back for an hour while they watched some NBA at half eleven, and I was just like, yeah, I'm quite tired. Yeah, NBA wow. playoffs all happening. Yeah, I watched the first like five minutes. I thought, if I'm not going to watch the whole thing, it feels kind of pointless. <laughs> so, I went. so I went. Um, but anyway, let's get things started. Um, before we do Tenet, we've got one other review coming in from uh, Alex Wayne about, I don't know what, so tell us. Uh, well, I'm going to be reviewing uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, which is a new, um, how, would you, how would you define this, um, drama, horror, sci-fi um, it's basically haven't defined it, have you? Yeah, not at all. It's indefinable, <laughs> but um, or undefinable. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it broadcasts in Sky Atlantic in the UK, HBO in America. Um, developed by Misha Green, who people might know from the TV show Underground. Executive produced um, to what extent I don't know by Jordan Peele and JJ Abrams, based on the novel by Matt Ruff. Um, it stars Journey Smollett, Jonathan Majors, uh, Courtney B. Vance, Abby Lee, and Michael K. Williams. Um, it's as hard as it is to define in a, in a genre. It's e- even harder to describe without spoiling anything. But the best I can do is this. Set in a segregated Jim Crow era 1950s, a Scooby gang of sorts, featuring drifting artist Leety, uh, genre fiction obsessive soldier... Atticus, also known as Tick, and Green Book author Uncle George set off on a mission to rescue Atticus's father Montrose from a fictional Massachusetts town located in Lovecraft Country, the area famous um, for the sci-fi horror author H.P. Lovecraft and his works. Um, how familiar are you both with H.P. Lovecraft? Not very at all, to be honest. Same, like I um, used to, I've not been recently, but I used to listen to a fair few game, board game podcasts, um, and there's a lot of Lovecraftian board games, and every time they mention it, I'm just like, I don't know what you're on about. Um, <laughs> I, I figure it's some sort of like universe 
of stuff that I've never read or seen or played anything in. Well, love <laughs> I, I, love, I love when creators uh, um, they pass over into the uh, vernacular and have their own word like like Lovecraftian. Got to respect that. Well, it, it's nearly as bad as Kafkaesque for its <laughs> yeah, overuse. Well, that's yeah, uh, exactly. Um, well, the most famous thing about H.P. Lovecraft, aside from his obviously immense influence on science fiction and horror, is that he was a massive racist. Uh, famously, um, vehemently, you know, viciously racist. Um, and despite this, obviously, he's still revered. Um, the series, and obviously the original novel, very much leans into this. Um, and it kind of reappropriates it, really. Um, the series is set in, obviously, uh, the area where Lovecraft set most of his stories. Uh, Cherry picks a lot of his own monsters and makes it into a race drama, um, which is quite clever, really. And e- even the main character himself, Tick, um, basically describes why he himself is a Lovecraft fan, despite the fact he's an African-American. Uh, he describes it to someone on the bus as, Stories are like people. Uh, loving, th- loving them doesn't make them perfect. You just try to cherish them and overlook their flaws. Um the, the series is hugely ambitious and um, uproariously entertaining. Um, it explores historic racism and the lasting legacy with horror and science fiction, but it never loses its lightness of touch in the right time uh, periods. Um, it's unashamedly crowd-pleasing, featuring some of the best action sequences you'll ever see, and uh, dripping in genuine tension and horror, um, while also being quite hilarious at times. Um the series kind of parallels the uh, the monstrous racist and racist behaviour that uh, they they are subject to with the literal Lovecraftian monsters they're having to battle. Um, I mean, this this is a world in which grand wizards of the KKK are literally wizards who can uh, perform mass magic. Um, and the film is not the film, sorry. The series is very much aware of how absurd it is, so it it manages to not take itself seriously until it needs to, uh, in moments of genuine tension. Um, And the performances really reflect that. Um, There's definitely echoes of Get Out and Us. Um, I think, regardless of how much actual influence uh, Jordan Peele had on this, literally, his influence um, is definitely felt. And there's there's certainly a bit of a, a debt to Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well, which... The series is nothing like, really, except in the fact that you have a ragtag group uh, drawn together. Um, but thematically, it, it it weighs in heavily with that. Um, I'm only three episodes in, so I couldn't. I can't tell you this is an absolutely brilliant show because, for all I know, it could fail horrendously from here. But three episodes in, I couldn't resist talking about it. I don't think I've had this much fun with a new show in a long time. Um, I love anything that manages to be both intellectually um, serious and ambitious while being also easy to watch and incredibly entertaining. Um, So far, this has a big thumbs up from me. Yeah, clearly a big fan of it, aren't you? Um, Obviously, you're a huge fan of this, but I kind of wish like um, Jordan Peele would stick to writing films, given how good his first two were. I feel like he's been execu- yeah. executive producing a lot of stuff lately. Although clearly sure. it's, clearly, it's paying off for the things he produces. True. I mean, it must be said, I'm not sure how much an executive producer really does other than say, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, well, when, well, you well know, I'm sure it varies, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I was surprised. I haven't read the book, by the way, although it was on, on the list of things to read. Um, but I, I, I was just, I was really surprised at just how good this was, really. Um, like I said, it could go down a, a rabbit hole where it just loses its way. Um, but at this point, I am massively impressed. And I think it's probably the TV show I'm most looking forward to watching uh, week in, week out. Um, and I know I say this every time we talk about a TV show nowadays, but there really is... It's not even a blurry line between TV and film anymore in terms of production values. There almost is no line. Um, you've, you've, got a, you've got a point where the special effects, the level of artistic direction are all but the same. And in fact, often in, in some shows, maybe not this one, but I think shows like Game of Thrones, the budgets are exa exactly the same as well. Um, I know this will be difficult for you to watch, Michael, not having access to, ch to the channel, but if you get a chance, I would really recommend that you, you will enjoy this. Mm, yeah, that's uh, big praise. I've, I've just come back. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Absolute shite hosting job. Apologies. Um, I've, I forgot to get the uh, bike out of the basement for Elle, who's going for a bike ride, so I had to help her with it, because it's a bit of a poor leg. Um, so I missed half your review there, Al, but um, the ending made it sound like I need to watch it, so that's good. What's happened with your mic, Clive? You've got fat voice. Yeah, you've gone... Uh, fat voice? You've gone, uh, you've gone Jonah Hill in This Is The End again, when he gets possessed <laughs> by the devil. Uh, oh, God, that's not good. Well, I thought um, you, said, you sound like Alan Partridge when he's from, um, presenting that video... Uh, that water sports video. Crash bang wallop, what a video. What a video. <laughs> I thought you were going to say weird. when he drives to Dundee and his mouth's full of toddler. <laughs> okay, we're back. I've tried to fix that sound. I don't know whether it'll have come on the recording, so I don't know, but I sounded very robotic to Alan Michael, which I don't anymore, so that's good. Um, so hopefully, we're gonna it, hopefully it will be on there because it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of hoping it is. <laughs> um, we shall see. I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have said robotic personally. I would have said more like no, it sounded like you, you know you you were gagging on something. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, Satan's penis. Wow, yeah. I was not gagging on Satan's penis or satanic. I don't think. Maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, I can't remember where we were. I think we, uh, Michael, you might have been about to ask well, a question. I was just about to comment on the fact that I, it, it is definitely true that um, you know there's, there's barely any dividing line between cinema and TV now, and obviously in a lot of a lot of areas, TV is is preferred, isn't it, by consumers and creators? I think, uh, but but the amount of TV uh, available to consume intimidates me, undoubtedly. Oh yeah, definitely. You've got to pick and choose. Gone are the days where you just watch, you know, the next prestige show because you've got about eight or nine, uh, you know, to pick from. Just going right then and there, let alone the ones you've missed from before. Um, yeah. I mean, this one, climb obviously you don't watch a lot of long form TV, but you'd really enjoy it. Um, Lovecraft. It, we, we, you were a fan of Get Out, weren't you? If I'm not mistaken. I was indeed. Yeah, big fan of it. This is very much along the same lines, kind of a, you know, abs almost absurdist horror, although uh, this is more monster horror than it is uh, anything else, but um, you would enjoy this. Um, like I was saying to Michael, um, the influence of Jordan Peele on it is, you know, uh, he's definitely there regardless of how much actual creative input he had. Um, and the performances are, are really, really good. Um 
Gen- I've got to say this right now. Um, there are elements of horror in this, which are as scary as anything I've seen in a long time, probably since Hereditary, probably. I've been that chilled. Really? Yeah. That's a big claim. But like, like I said, though, like for for a for a show that has you know such a serious subject matter, um, and also has such you know intense um, elements like horror and sci-fi, it never loses its you know sense of perspective. It's it's funny at times. Uh, it's light-hearted at times. But then it it just it knows when to flick the switch uh, w- without it being you know tonally jarring. Um, I will be so gutted if this doesn't end the way it started. Uh, I'll be so gutted if it doesn't middle the way it started. But um, this is, in my opinion, the best thing on TV at the minute. Wow. That what was what a... was the best thing before this? Uh, that's Just a to good give us a reference point. That's a good question and one that I'm not sure I can answer. Is it, uh, is it Succession? Yes, probably, yeah. I mean, oh, by the way, when I say it's the best thing on TV, I mean literally the best thing that's actually been broadcast live on TV at the minute. I'm not necessarily oh, saying okay. it's better Fair than enough. other stuff. Uh, although I'm I'm definitely putting it in the same the same league as this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, comparing it to Succession is, you know, it's not even apples and oranges. It's um, garlic puree and butterscotch. You know, it's completely different. <laughs> But which is which? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is something I'll end up because I'm I'm pretty crappy watching TV anyway. So I don't know if this will be top of my list purely because of the I don't know something about the genre doesn't massively appeal. But you have definitely sold it in terms of it being very good. And well, m- maybe you should read the book instead. Um, maybe mm. the the book was on already on a list for me to read. Uh, then the TV show came out, and let's be honest, the TV show is just easier at times. And it helped that um, uh, you know it see it just looked amazing, and um, it, it's meeting my expectations easily at this point. Yeah, cool. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and yeah, your comparison to Get Out is definitely intriguing. So we'll see. Maybe I'll test it out. The thing is, L does not like horror, so and I pretty much watch all the TV <laughs> with L, so it's, it's looking unlikely. But we'll yeah. see. I mean, it's, it's not pure horror, definitely not. It's um, and it's more monster horror, which I think that some some people are more scared by. So, for instance, Nicola is more scared by um, kind of apparitional horror or ghost horror than she is monsters. Although this does have some ghost elements. Um, yeah, it's really hard to pigeonhole. Really, really hard. Definitely horror sci-fi. Um, definitely talking about you know systemic racism. But it's doing so in a non-preachy, non-academic way that just about anybody can get the argument from it. I mean, I'll spoil a small scene for you. Um, They're travelling to this uh, town to rescue the main character's father. And they stop at a gas station where a lot of um, white teenagers start making horrendous, racist monkey noises at them. And they start driving off in the car and they leave the camera sticks on a billboard which is for Aunt Jemima's pancakes. And arguably the billboard, while it's not trying to be overtly racist, is arguably as bad, if not worse, than the people doing monkey gestures. Um, it's, it's it's a very clever, very clever mm. show. And I'll spoil one other element, actually. 
There is a car chase in this, which has got to be one of the slowest car chases you'll ever see, but one of the <laughs> most tense. Um, the family get pulled over in what's called uh, um, in an area where they won't tolerate uh, black people after the sun has set. So it's called a sunset county, which apparently really existed. So they had to be across uh, county lines before a certain time, and they're desperately trying to you know get across the county line in this old 50s style car and the sheriff is tailing behind them just waiting for the opportunity and it is tense as fuck arguably more tense than the elements where they're fighting literal monsters mm, I can imagine that something tense about a chase sometimes like when someone chases you up the stairs, tense even though you know full well nothing's going to happen to you <laughs> something about that and this was all from just three episodes Oh well, that well, both those elements are in the first episode. The first, right, ep- yes. I mean, they're, they're all brilliant. The first episode blew me away. Excellent, uh, quite the quite high, a, the uh, highest of praise, though. Yeah, the yeah. highest of high praise. Um, a good way to start the episode. Well, I could and tell let- you were excited about it because you were telling everyone who'd listen about it yesterday. When oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's brilliant. <laughs> you got an insider into it. Good. Well, it came out of the blue for me. Um, I hadn't even heard of it, so very intriguing. Um, but let's move on to our focal discussion. And uh, I'm very interested, actually, to see what you guys think of uh, the film we're going to talk about. And all three as I've seen it, like I said, which is Tenet. Um, but I believe Michael's going to kick us off. Yep, I will do. So Tenet is the new Christopher Nolan film. Uh, the film that was uh, going to come along and save cinema, of course, um, <laughs> after cinemas have been closed for so long during the pandemic. And uh, it's pretty much the perfect for, candidate for that um, because it's a big screen film, you know, it's it's a popcorn film. Uh, but like all Nolan films, which are basically all um, in that vein, uh, it also plays around with a lot of heavy ideas and has a lot of ambition in terms of its content. So in terms of cast, we've got um, John David Washington playing the protagonist, the uh, protagonist of the film, Uh, Robert Pattinson as his associate, Neil. Uh, Then we've got, now, is it Elizabeth Debicki or Debitsky? A cursory search of the internet did not enlighten me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've I've always said Debicki, but I'm not sure if I'm right. Yeah, so she, uh, I think she puts in probably the the finest performance of the uh, the film. Um, she's clearly a very talented actress, who I believe is probably going to have a much higher profile soon in the near future, given that she's been cast as Princess Diana in The Crown, which I've never watched, but I think is a big deal, as far as I know. Uh, and then Kenneth Branagh playing a sort of uh, absurd Russian Bond villain-style character, who has a personal interest in uh, in ending the world. But uh, in terms of it's a it's a globe it's a globe trotting action film, um, a lot of different settings, major set pieces, some very thrilling action scenes that are superbly directed. Uh, in terms of thematics, it deals chiefly with the passage of time, like all Nolan films really do on at least some on, on at least some level, some more explicitly than others. This very explicitly, which is what excited me so much from the trailers, because it was clear that that was going to be a key consideration. Don't want to spoil it too much, but the time travel elements of it are basically crafted in in a very similar way to they have been in some high-profile TV shows um, over the years. I think a, a, a sort of 
an informal set of rules about time travel that a lot of these shows seem to follow in their own ways uh, have sprung up. And that's certainly the case here. Uh, structurally, this is... I mean, many of Nolan's films are unconventionally structured. Memento would probably have been the most unconventional. It arguably still is after this. I think this probably comes in after it in that sense, but The Prestige would be up there as well. Um, this is, I think, it's basically structured in a spiral fashion, which I can't speak about too much without um, giving things away, but the deeper you get into the film... Um, the more it <clears throat> the more it opens up and teases out a little bit more explanation and sense, I think. Um, it, it is dense and complicated in terms of some of the uh, subjects it's it's dealing with and the way it presents them. Uh, there's a scene in the middle of the film where people first start moving backwards in time. There's backwards dialogue uh, for the first time, really explicitly in the film, uh, and it's at that point where you 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 know you you need to. Con- really start concentrating to be able to follow exactly what's happening there's a lot of expositionary dialogue after that point and the second half of the film is really quite balmy i would say and i don't mean that as a criticism um the final section of the film deals well it it basically combines uh, a major action set piece in which half of the characters involved are moving forwards in time the other half are moving backwards with um another more personal um, more focused sort of scene that also has a time travel uh, twist to it. As mentioned, this this has this bears a lot of the Nolan trademarks. It doesn't really. I mean, people can probably discuss this, but it doesn't really have. It doesn't have a major game-changing twist in the way that some of his films have done. Uh, but but maybe it does. I think that depends on viewer interpretation and how much you anticipate the direction that the story is going in. Um, the final reels of it are nonetheless a capstone on the rest of the plot um it sort of put, puts a bow on it and wraps it up pretty nicely i would say and i know that i know other people have spoken to have thought the same thing and i guess that is sort of is the twist the fact that it makes sense i mean i've seen the film twice but i think you still need further viewings than that in order to properly be able to get a full overview of exactly what happens in it but because it's nolan i can personally say that i, tr- I have a lot of trust in the fact that it will have been very carefully written this film and um, I think the highest level of um, attention to avoid discrepancies in the plot will have been taken Uh, I think there'll be so much focus on the subject matter and content of the film that you almost forget to mention the uh, jaw-dropping cinematography of uh, Hoyt van Hoytemer uh, which I think without 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 that, um, you know what what exactly would Nolan's most recent films, uh, Interstellar and Dunkirk, as well as this one, have been? Uh, the music is excellent as well from Ludwig Göransson. Um, the film the film dives straight in with a um, no, it goes straight in full throttle with its opening uh, action sequence and uh, the pounding music of that particular scene really made me excited to be back in the cinema and seeing a film of this magnitude and scale. Uh, I think understanding of the film isn't particularly relevant. It's more about feeling, letting yourself go and uh, enjoying the ride, especially on a first viewing. Uh, and I think some people... some Obviously, there's been some criticism of the film. That's inevitable. But I think if you don't like this film, you don't come to cinema for the same things that I do. I mean, the as I say, understanding is in some sense secondary, I think. Uh, some people will hate the film because it they'll say it's too complicated for an action film. 
Some will think that it doesn't deal well enough with the, the heavy subject matter. You know, there'll be a lot of polarising, not just views, but a lot of po there'll be a lot of polarisation among the negative opinions as to exactly why they don't like this film. But to me, that's it's 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 an ex it's exciting. Uh, the scale of the film, the sheer ambition of it, um, the combination of blockbuster with you know the more challenging ch challenging content and the treatment and stru the, the structuring and understanding of the way time is perceived that is so central to pretty much all of Nolan's output. Uh, and he, he really takes it on, onto a grander scale than he has done uh, ever before, which is saying something, given some of his previous content. But yeah, I was a big fan of this. Al, do you want to go next? Well, I was going to say, did you want to go next? But I'm fine. Yeah, I'll go next if you like. Okay, um, I largely agree with Michael. Um, this is a film that, um, at the start, I really, I was so co completely confused by. It laid, led me to start questioning my own intellectual faculties. Um, but the more I let the film kind of take me on a journey, the more I enjoyed it. And by the end of the film, um, I definitely had a much better sense of what I was watching and what had happened. Um, now, I've only watched it once, unlike Michael, um, but it feels like a film, and Michael can correct me on this if I'm wrong, that bears repeat viewings. Um, I, I, I feel like the plot is almost deliberately convoluted. And, um, I mean, there's a line in the film where the character tells another character to not try to understand it, just to feel it. And that feels like it, it's it's the central message of the film. Um, it was a pure experience. I mean, the the cinematography, like Michael mentions, is outstanding. The action sequences, among Nolan's best, and um, it feels like a hugely ambitious final, conclusive point on Nolan's exploration of time. Which isn't to say he won't do it again, but it feels like it is the it is the final word on it. Um, the the film isn't without flaws, but I'll go over those in a moment. What what was your initial thoughts, Clive? Um, I don't have much to add. Um, but yeah, say, same as you. I kind of initially thought, God, I'm so confused. Am I an idiot? Um, then towards the end of the film, definitely understood it more, but also just tried. It didn't figured. I figured right. This is a Christopher Nolan film. I'm going to get to the end and probably not have got everything because that's exactly how I felt about Inception the first time I watched it. Um, for example so I figured it needed more than one viewing and I haven't had that chance yet so I think there's going to be bits that I get more on second viewing but I enjoyed it just as like an out and out like you say great action sequences the performances were good I quite liked getting to the end of it and not having understood all of it um, I, I quite like that in film sometimes um, but I did think like Michael said I think it ended really well there were just moments I just couldn't quite get my head around the central concept in my head and was trying to figure out how it interacted with things that had happened before and were happening now and I'm not going to spoil anything but <laughs> that'll make more sense to uh, people when they watch it and yeah there's a, like, a particular scene which I don't think this is a spoiler to say uh, who summed it up was kind of like a story within a story where I was just like a bit confused there was like a someone fired an RPG at a building then someone else fired an RPG at a building it built itself up blew up built itself half up blew up again and I was just like yeah that pretty much uh, <laughs> It sums up the fact that I don't really understand this system. Um, but you don't have to understand it. I, I enjoyed it at the minute. I wouldn't say I love it at the minute, but I feel like it's... I have never. I don't think I've ever loved a Christopher Nolan film on first viewing. It, it takes 
more uh, more viewings for me to be like, wow, okay, yeah, that's really cool. Um, I realise at this point it's clever and like Michael have the trust that it makes you know enough sense <laughs> and has been will have been meticulously thought out. Uh, I've absolutely no doubt in that, but. I haven't yet seen that for myself, if you know what I mean. So maybe, it, uh, but purely because I haven't watched it more than once, and I don't think you can absorb it all in one go. So yeah, I think I will end up really liking this. I already really like it. I just um, haven't got to the point of loving it yet, but I do want to watch it again, hopefully in the cinema. So yeah, it was definitely pretty much what I expected. I wasn't really expecting to go in and get to the end of a film and have understood everything because it's, it's Christopher Nolan. So yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, it's a very... Uh, a very ambitious thing to try and pull off which I appreciated and I think it has generally been a success by the looks of it so far <laughs> so that's my thoughts on it so far but I'm sure they will get a bit more in depth when I watch it again What I uh, what I like about this is it's one of those films where you, what you when you think about it afterwards you start to p- piece things together and realise little mm. details that you hadn't that weren't immediately apparent so it's one of those where you spend a lot of time going oh and one of my favourite things about that in relation to the film um, and the levels it's operating on is that obviously the title is a palindrome which everyone had picked up on beforehand and assumed related purely to the film's treatment of how time works, uh, which is true on one level. Um, but specifically as well, the final sequence of the film involves a 10-minute countdown, where, as I mentioned, one half of the uh, people are going forwards in time, the other half going backwards. And that's, rather than just choosing a palindromic word that ch- that sounded cool, that is obviously why uh, Nolan chose Tenet, because the title gives away the fact that there is a 10-minute sequence going back and forward. So it's little details like that that are really the payoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, as I mentioned, I did feel there were some flaws that should be noted, and um, you were right. I think Michael, when you said that uh, Elizabeth Debicki or Debicki or whatever is probably maybe the best performer in the film. Um, however, I would like to say that there are no, aside from her, there are no other significant roles for for women, and she in herself is, is more or less playing a well trodden character. In fact, it's very similar to her character in The Night Manager. Uh, the TV, sh- the John the Carry TV show she well, was in. I, I assume what you're getting at is a damsel in distress trope. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the 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 lack of well-written female characters in things is an ongoing disappointment, and it almost it almost go, has to go without saying that you know this 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 world that's presented in Tenet is a world a world you know almost devoid of women. It feels like. Um, yeah, which, which which is unfortunate, and yeah, obviously she's a central character, but yeah, she's you know she's it, she is a pass she's a passenger to uh, events that occur in the film, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say it's probably a, a criticism of Nolan that is fair in general. He doesn't seem to know how to. I don't think he's sexist, but I'm not sure he knows how to write women that well. Yeah, well, uh, he's as he's as sexist as the society that he's he's he exists in. It seems like this is just a constant problem. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 obviously, I'm, I'm holding my hands up here because, you know, we we don't even we we could go out of our way to mention it in relation to every film. We don't because it's sad, and, you know, it's sadly it's just the norm, and that's that's what's so disappointing about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sec the second one is more on a technical level, which is why it's all the more baffling. Um, the sound mixing, um, often the dialogue was very very difficult to hear. 
Um, I thought yeah, that was this is that, a common thought, criticism of Castle of Nolden now. Now I haven't noticed it before this film though. I thought it was very noticeable in this film. I think uh, yeah, I, I think I it's more noticeable because it, uh, it was it was said about Interstellar a lot, wasn't it? But I think it's more noticeable this time because you need to be able to hear all of the dialogue, and there are a few moments mm. like that. I'm afraid to say. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've got I've got to say I thought it was poorly done in that respect. Um, um, which is all, and it's clearly a creative decision as well because the sound mixing in general is obviously excellent. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I can't understand the decision to make it so in in you know not indecipherable. That's not the right term, but so difficult to um, to hear it's at obs- times. It's obscured, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are my only two main points. I think overall, I'll need to give it a second view to form my full opinion. Um, it doesn't strike me as the Nolan film I've loved the most so far. I think it, off the top of my head, it would sit somewhere in the middle of his cat, his what? back catalogue. But that's a that's a hell of a battleground, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Anyway, I didn't really mention Inception when I was talking, uh, which I should have really, because I mean, in terms of the way it attacks things, it might be the most similar Nolan film to it. But uh, I think I don't know if this will make a t- sense entirely but i feel like inception it's dealing with similarly complex stuff but it's almost a mark it's more accessible i think than the way it's done in this film yeah i would agree with that i, I think to be honest with you I, I was never confused by inception That's I, what underst- I, mean, yeah. I, I understood why people were but i never felt i lost track of it um whereas for about half this film i wasn't even sure i was on the track but um it brought me back yeah. in at the end I haven't seen, and this this is despite the film obviously using exposition, like I mentioned. Um, I, I I mean, I haven't seen Inception for quite a while, but I feel like I feel like it explained things more smoothly. It's a little bit less on the nose in terms of trying to explain things with this film. But I think this film has to do that because of the sheer the sheer complexity of things it's trying to include. Yeah, I mean, then what did you think of John David Washington? Um, I thought he was, I mean, so- solid to good. I would rate it. Uh, I thought he worked perfectly well as a front man. I thought, I thought his performance was a little frustrating, and I'll tell you why. It's it's almost for good reasons. I thought at times he was genuinely superb, and then at mm-hmm. other times he was a bit off the off the mark. Uh, I think had he oh, just yeah. been more average all the way through, it would have been less frustrating. I think the potential you can see in his performance. Um, well, is, is that not the constraints of the script, though? I mean, this isn't Black possibly, Klansman. Yeah. This isn't Black Klansman, is it, where he was superb? Well, yeah, yeah. agreed, agreed. Uh, Robert Pattinson, I thought, was excellent, though, I've got to say, all the way through. Um, oh, yeah, he, he, t- he turns in a very fun performance, actually, which is a strange thing to say about in this film. Um, but he gets some good lines, for sure. Uh, he did he did well with it, yeah. And his, his star certainly seems to be uh, ascending at the moment. Well, I'll tell you what. I think it's already been mentioned by other people, but um, this is a tailoring masterpiece. The suits <laughs> on the suits on show are irresistible, and I think uh, the double-breasted suit might be making a comeback. You know, Patterson proving it's not just Alan Partridge um, who can pull it off. Yeah, I've seen that said in a few quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Bing bong boom. Posted it, Clive here again. Um, I'm about to go very robotic, and Alan Michael just just soldier on, pretend it's not happening, while I sound like some sort of weird Dalek, um, whilst trying to have a very civilized and important conversation. So yeah, um, apologies, didn't deliberately sound like a robot. Mike's just an idiot. Enjoy.
Bing bong bong. Cool. Um, I yeah, am... pretty much agree with your um, your criticisms there, um, Al. Makes sense. Um, I mean, and, and unfortunately, the badly written women thing is absolutely a thing and is improving slightly <laughs> compared to the past when you look at some older stuff, but um, still has a, a fucking shit long way to go. Um, and this and this film is included in that. I think definitely to the extent where it's sad, like Mark says, but you just you unfortunately don't really notice it because it's so bloody normal for it to be like that. But um, you absolutely notice it when there's a well-written female character, but otherwise you ugh, almost weirdly enough don't feel the loss of it um, just because it's so bloody everything's just like that. If you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that needs to me and something that I've. Um, on a completely different note, my music challenge as well that I've noticed. I mentioned it, I think, in the 1971, that it was like all the top albums were fee- uh, male artists. Or very, it was very rare that a um, female artist would get into, or even a band containing a female uh, member would get into like the top five on rateyourmusic.com. And there's there's a whole raft of reasons for that, not just because listeners don't rate them as highly, that there just isn't as many around. Um, which is also for a whole raft of reasons uh, all, all pretty much all of them sexist but yeah it's it's sad and i think in music and i don't know if michael would agree i think it, the the tide is t- changing with that and i think it's still not good enough because you look at festival headline is a good example um uh, a lot of festival headlines it's been have been going around i can't remember i think no effects and some other one where where they kind of cut off all the bands that weren't uh, didn't have any females in and like the basically the whole list was cut off and there's only a few left which is obviously a shambles but there is i think i don't know for me like from a critical perspective looking at the when i look at like the top critically reviewed albums i would say there's probably just as many women or much coming a lot closer to than men i don't know if michael would agree with that but I think it's. Uh, I think in music, it's evened out massively. Very re- in the very recent past, mm. um, and like you touched upon, you basically got to the crux of the matter, which is access. In the nineteen seventies, there's no way you know female artists had the same level of opportunity. Yeah, um, that has started to change clearly. All my favorite albums of last year and this year, basically, have been by female artists, which is um, very promising. And it just you know it just shows because these these albums weren't coming to my attention in the past. They weren't being created on the same, to the same extent. Uh, it was it was a matter of it's a matter of odds basically. The odds of a female artist making my fam- favorite album of the year were lower because they didn't have the same levels of access and opportunity. As I said, exactly. Yeah. Cl- clearly, that has changed in music, um, and it needs to change generally. Um, but it's it's interesting. It's interesting that they are, um, you know, female artists are monopolising the the top uh, sort of top rankings of my uh, of my favourite albums. Um, don't know exactly what to make of that, but it just you know, it's it's quite interesting. Well, my take on that, Michael, would be probably that you've been denied as many female artists. So when you get a deluge of quality coming in, naturally they're going to be the thing you're into. Um, I mean, when it, when it comes to film, particularly when it comes to behind the camera, um, there really haven't been anywhere near enough female directors. Not, no, I mean, not, it's, if you if you want to go and make a try and make a list like that um, in cinema, it's impossible, really. It's it's getting better, I think, and um, 
a few years ago, a couple of years ago, my top two films were both directed by women, which was not me trying to make some political point. It was just because they were the best two films of the year, in my, well, that's in, I mean. in my view. That's what I mean, yeah. Last year when we did music and all my top five were by female artists, I said, like, it was only shortly before we did the podcast that I realised that. You know, people yeah. people think it's virtue signaling, however, but well, it's, that, that's, it's, it's, that's, not, that's not the case, you know. And that and it wouldn't it would never be the case in an equal opportunity society, you know. I think I think in film there is a noticeable push, though. I've noticed that a lot of the um, Marvel films, DC films, you know, basically big franchise films are keen to bring in female directors. Now, I would rather see these film female directors get their you know, their $200 million budget and have a go at making their own tenet. But um, it's still pleasing that they're getting the big franchises. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I would like to, and I'm, I'm sure I speak for everybody, live in a world where if I had a top 10 films at the end of the year that were all directed by men, um, I could, you know, enjoy that knowing that it wasn't because of a sexist world, it was just because they were the 10 best movies. But you can't really say that yet. And it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, and I think at a point of, of uh, you basically nailed it there, Michael. It's, it's an access thing, like you say, um, in on the music front. And I think that fits in with cinema as well. And I think there isn't the same. The thing with music, music's got to the stage now where you can very easily, um, well, I say very easily, but you, you know, it's pretty cheap to write your own music, record it yourself, uh, and release it. It's not implausible for someone to be able to do that quite easily. That's, that's um, true, yeah. Which requires zero help from uh, production teams and big companies, which are still, unfortunately, um, generally sexist um, it, or you know a, a bit blind to it. And I think in cinema it's much less easy to do that. You need to get the equipment to make a film and to release it um, is so expensive that you can't really do it without any backing to start with. Um, and it's, I think, getting that backing. There's still those. I think those structures that are in place are still, unfortunately, sexist. Um, and mm-hmm. although it's getting better, that's the thing. It's yeah, it way, is it's way yeah. difficult for them to more difficult for them to get in. Whereas with music, you can just have someone can release something great and be like, everyone's like, okay, well, this is great. And then the record labels kind of have to listen. Um, <laughs> whereas, yeah, getting that first step in is a bit more difficult in the film sphere, I imagine, or TV sphere as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think what what a thing that a thing that um, I'm not I mean I'm not sure this has happened as formally in music or cinema obviously but, but a thing that people misunderstand is why some positive discrimination can be necessary to open doors and even things out uh, you know like um, female only shortlists in politics or if you want to include race in it then the Rooney Rule in the NFL which has been a big success uh, and pe- people don't seem to pe- people. People opposed to these things either don't understand it or they willfully don't understand it. Well, I found quite a niche group of people who are opposed to those uh, lists. Um, They're a niche group because they are generally liberal, generally not, at least on the surface, sexist. Uh, They're a group of men who essentially are worried that because uh, there will be some positive discrimination to kind of you know, balance the seesaw that they they themselves personally will get left behind. That they will have been in some unlucky, and it, it's an absolutely ridiculous fear. But um, well, that that's no different. I mean, it's exactly the same as saying, well, um, you know, I, it's it's just as exactly the same as t- it's like tax avoidance, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't want to pay tax, yeah, because I don't it's want to benefit anyone like but myself. Giving, you know? it's, like, it's the same as saying like giving a 
paying people in my organisation more opportunities means that I, as a white privileged male, are more like less likely to get promoted. Yeah, of course that's the case, but you have to accept that because it's fucking unfair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. ludicrous to say to, well, it's just I, selfish, I, isn't it? Basically, but. I, I just noticed it as a mindset recently on Twitter and other places, and I thought, well, I didn't think this group existed. I thought the people against positive discrimination would just be essentially flat out sexist, uh, but no, there is a niche grouping. Um, yeah, and you get, yeah, these people who say, well, it should all be done on merit, but the point is it can't be fair under the current circumstances yeah. on merit. That's the whole point. Well, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a, you know it's it's a false argument. Yes, I think we'd all agree. Um, we'd love it to can see all be it done all on merit. merit. It can all be done on merit at the end when we've solved it. But if that's exactly, if that's yeah. even possible, you know. Yeah. The fact is, the idea of merit is currently unfairly dished out. So yeah, it's uh, impossible. To yeah, it doesn't really exist. Yeah. Good discussion. Didn't want to interrupt. Uh, I don't know about you, Wayne, but for me, Clive, you've gone full Barry White again. You have, yeah, but I just thought I'd leave oh. it. Uh, <laughs> I say. don't know. I don't know if it's recording that way or not, but uh, oh, hopefully oh, not. Although it will be, it will be amusing, but very difficult to take that conversation seriously if it is. imagine how I imagine little Wayne to sound when he's been quaffing cough syrup. I moved my <laughs> mic by accident, so maybe. Okay. Well, it sounds we like you're. About, it sounds like you're about to sing the theme song for Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we need to leave it there, on, on, based on the fact that if it is sounding horrendous, I don't know how much people can put with. <laughs> um, we going to. I, I don't know if you're going to or not, Michael, or you're going to save it. We going to talk about uh, another film. I'll save it till you've seen it. Then let's do that. Okay. Well, I'll just, in that case, since we've got a few spare minutes, I'm just going to quickly mention another film I've seen. Not a proper review, because I haven't prepared anything, but more of a recommendation. Um, film, on, I think it's out of most cinemas now, called, especially with the free space, uh, called Baby Teeth. It's an Australian film, um, stars Eliza Scanlon, Ben Mendelsohn, Essie Davies. Um, it's superb. Um, I would really recommend people check it out if they get a chance. Um, I won't say any more than that, but... Um, it's well worth your time because there isn't much new out of the cinema right now, but it's one of those films that would have been a standout in any year and under any circumstances. Big claim. Um, I'm not going to do plug time because it'll probably sound shit. Uh, no, no, we need to should. hear it. <laughs> we need to hear it. It'll sound brilliant. I take it, is, there a, is there a queef this week or not? No, there's no queef. Uh, which is probably best it. because me playing it into this mic would come out sounding like I don't know. <laughs> Feel like it might lead to the implosion of the world. <laughs> might not be worth it. Um, okay, I'll do plug time. I really hope it's recording properly because I've had it before and it does sound horrendous. Um, anyway, so I apologise. You, you sound it's a bit it's sad unique. now. <laughs> wow, this has got this is like so. Is it like robotic, emotional? Um, it's not really. It's not really robotic. It's more like just deep, very deep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I think we should just do it in this voice every week. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree um, anyway <laughs> plug time at stickaroundcast on twitter slash stickaroundpodcast on facebook stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us an email or go on to stickaroundpodcast.com and click on contact there's a bit of a form there to fill out if you want to get us to read something out on the pod 
Um, there's also my uh, the things that I've been waffling on about the top albums of every year articles there on there just click on Clive's album challenge on stickerandpodcast.com and you've got a whole list 1973 will be up by the time this is out because I've nearly finished it um, and I think that's covered oh iTunes give us five star on iTunes because we love getting five stars on iTunes so please do that we definitely do uh, I mean one star if you need to but if I mean, if there's one Preferably thing, I, not. if there's one thing I wanted to hear today, it was um, Clive with a voice sounding like Barry White saying "love." <laughs> can you give us um, one of them, Clive? Well, we just had it, and that's that's oh, that's yeah. made my day. That's nothing can go wrong now. <laughs> could you say? Could I'm you say for me, that. please, Clive? Um, I want to hear you say "nobody understands him like his woman." Nobody understands what. <laughs> Nobody understands him like his woman. <laughs> Nobody understands him like his woman. Love. Oh my god. I'm hot just Ooh, like your yeah. oven. I need your loving. I know that's um not <laughs> very white. <laughs> However, this is gonna sound I tell you what, if this is recorded normally, it's gonna sound nonsensical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more so than normal, obviously. Um, I mean, you sound you sound like um, I'm pretty sure he just used his normal voice, but it sounds like what Mark Henry should have been had had, had as his voice uh, in wrestling when he was using the sexual chocolate gimmick. <laughs> I have no idea what you're on about. But okay. <laughs> well, he, he Clive is Swiss. He's from the, the land of chocolate. That's true. Yeah, yeah. All Swiss chocolate's sexual. It is. That's true. <laughs> That's going on there's, the box. There's your episode title. <laughs> it's definitely accurate. I'm glad we finally got someone who's not a Belgian knob. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's all about Swiss. I can't even think of any good Belgian chocolate, can you? Oy, I like that. No, those, <laughs> those seashells are quite good, to be fair. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've clearly opened... We've opened up... Uh, I mean... We've opened something up here, haven't we? I didn't realise there was this much beef between the Belgians and the Swiss when it came to confectionery. There isn't. It's just in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same beef that the, the, the Swiss and the Swedes have because they keep getting confused for each other, which I don't think actually exists. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never, I've never heard that one. Have you not? Oh, people do it to me at work all the time. They're like, "Oh, you mean where I, where IKEA is from?" No, and now, and people what? do it. People do it on purpose. I like it when people do it on purpose. I think that's pretty funny. But, but yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is it. We better finish now because if it is annoying, then you've put up with an annoying voice for probably longer than you actually have put up with it because most of you probably went, God, that's horrible, and turned it off. It's it's only really annoying when you're trying to discuss gender equality. Otherwise, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my salient points will have been ruined. Okay. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Great. Okay. Well, we'll see. Somewhat undermined, but. (laughs) Well, it's been a great episode anyway. It's been fun as always. Uh, Thanks for coming along, Michael. Thank you. And Al. Thank you, Clive. Um, And we'll speak next week in a few weeks about uh, some more stuff. Hopefully, I'll have seen Tenet again. And um, yeah, always remember to stick around. Stick around. around.
Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around well, I hope that uh-huh. hope it recorded in Barry White Barry White saying Stick Around <laughs> I really hope it didn't, but okay <laughs> I'm going to find that out now, right now <laughs> It's amazing <laughs>